This is On Target, a look at politics, crime, education, what's happening in Newfoundland and Labrador with the people who know. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your On Target host, Linda Swain. Good afternoon, everyone. What a weekend we had and the uh, lovely temperatures and uh, the like have continued through to today. Hope you've been able to get some good sleep and rest. <laughs> Dave, no, no, Dave is, is uh, shaking his head. No, no air conditioning at Dave Williams' house. Got to open those windows and hope you're going to get that cross breeze, which is not always possible, I can tell you. Uh, I know we don't get any cross breeze in the corner of the house where our bedroom happens to be, so... <laughs> Uh, good luck to you all is what I got to say. We're not used to the heat, are we? Oh, I don't like the heat. Some people would say, I don't mind it, but um, it can be a little bit miserable if you're trying to sleep. Well, the 30th anniversary of the Cod Moratorium is only days away. That event is known as the single largest layoff in Canadian history. It immediately threw some 30,000 people out of work and spurred a huge outmigration from Newfoundland and Labrador. In the 10 years between 1992 and 2002, the population of Newfoundland and Labrador dropped a record 10%. And over the years, that exodus has continued. It's something the province has grappled with for years, obviously, with the endless cycle of trying to attract people, often jumping from one mega project to the next in some cases, only to end up losing them again as people look for work to build their lives and sustain their families. Well, sometimes it's as simple as workers simply being lured away by bigger salaries and lower cost of living elsewhere. The province, of course, has set a goal of attracting some 5,100 people to Newfoundland and Labrador every year by 2026. Now, there are a lot of factors that are involved in immigration and attracting people to this province, so we thought we'd check in with Immigration Minister Jerry Byrne for an update. Hello. Hi, Linda. Thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for joining us. And on Friday, you sent out a release indicating that the latest quarterly population estimates show that the province's population increased by 422 people. That doesn't sound like a lot, but it's an increase from January 1st to April 1st of this year. So tell us a little bit more about that. Pleased to do so. It's, um, you know, we've we've struggled with a crisis of confidence in many respects because as you as you opened up uh, we've had regular consistent continuous population decline you know we've really reached a point in newfoundland and labrador where our demographics are pretty serious and that's it's kind of the setting the uh, setting a bit of a backdrop for our talk today about the population of newfoundland and labrador the demographics the um, the serious challenges we face and what we got to do to to correct them and what happens if we don't correct it what happens to our economy and the standard of living that you and each and every one of us enjoy and what happens to the standard and quality of life that each and every one of us enjoy if we are able to correct it if we are able to put a new course to this well you know the recent numbers that come from statistics canada uh, show that not only was there a, an increase of 422 in the last quarter uh, the last uh, three months uh, that are recorded that goes from January 1st of 2022 to April 31st. Um, there has been five consecutive quarters 
over a year now uh, that uh, that Stats Canada has been recording it and monitoring it and reporting it, five consecutive quarters of population growth. And in fact, in the last uh, just over a year, the population in Newfoundland and Labrador, contrary to our past, our what we expect to see happen, which is regular, consistent population decline, the number of people living in our province has increased by 3,200. 3,222, I think, to be exact. And that's pretty encouraging because without population growth, the things that we enjoy, the services that we need, uh, the professionals that uh, that assist us in our daily lives, they're not there for us, and that causes a serious problem. So that increase of 3,222, if memory serves, as you said, um, is that over what? Over what? What are we comparing that to? Well, that's over the last five quarters. So since January 1st of 2021 to April, uh, the end of April 2022, uh, we uh, we have increased very significantly to 3,000. We've instead of seeing population decline, we've seen 3,200 pe- more people in their province. And what that means, uh, you know, Linda, is that that's after. We take in our natural, normal demographics, uh, our, what we have come to experience. Every year, of course, every quarter, every year, we have so many babies that are born in our province. Every uh, every quarter, every year, we have so many people that pass away in our province, and that's our natural sort of life cycle. That that, uh, and unfortunately, the number of people passing away in our province is about two to one for every birth, every new baby that's born in our province we have two deaths and so that's one of the main reasons why for years and years and years we've been seeing population decline in addition to some out migration so we've really had the deck stacked against us in so many ways we've had uh, for every for every for every uh, for every baby born there's been two deaths constant population decline constant pressure uh, from pop- of population decline for people leaving the province so to have all things totaled into the picture to have 3,200 people more more people in the province in just the space of a little over one year uh, 15 months that's uh, that's pretty pretty powerful and I can say to you one of the reasons why the main driver for that is immigration we are seeing more and more newcomers into our province uh, more now than we've ever had in our entire history and that's important it is uh, but how much further do we need to go how do our current numbers what is the current population compared to what it was let's say uh, before july 2nd of 1992 well that's it this would so we estimate stats canada uh, estimates the population of the province at just over 521,000. We'll just use round numbers, but uh, about 500 520,000 plus. Uh, before the moratorium, as you pointed out, with population, you know, a lot of mi- um, out migration, there were over 550,000 souls in our province. And so we've had a remarkable decline, over 30,000, just you, you, again using round numbers. Uh, around 30,000 people that, uh, that the population has, has, has dropped, not only from out-migration, but from the continuous impacts of the 
the, the, the number of people passing away has really, really outpaced any of the natural births that occur in the province. So those two forces, we've had a significant drop in population. So to be able to kind of reverse that by 10%, 3,200, just about 10% in one year, that's that's not bad news. And so we're going to try to keep sustaining that. That's really the, that's the objective. It's not really to just sort of sit back and celebrate the fact that we were able to get uh, over a year of, of kind of a reversal of fortune. The trick now is to keep that going. And keep the people that we're attracting here here and keep the people who are already here here. You got it. And that's uh, so one of the things, you know, in addition to immigration, Linda, we're seeing a very successful we've we've embarked on a, a campaign that's still floating out there. It's still working hard to attract uh, remote workers, people who bring their jobs and mostly Canadians, uh, mostly Canadians from other provinces who want uh, the lifestyle uh, the just the the ability to live free and uh, and uh, have access to great outdoor the environment and great outdoor uh, activities and bring their job with them and of course with our housing prices being par- by far the most competitive anywhere in the country we're attracting a lot of remote workers people who work by telephone and computer uh, people who bring their jobs with them. Uh, as they come and so that's that's part of this uh, that's part of these numbers as well and I want to talk to you a little bit more about that when we come back after the break my guest today on on target is immigration minister Jerry Byrne we'll be back right after this join us for on target one hour in which Linda Swain examines topics that mean the most to you on target weekday afternoons at one on your VOCM our guest today on on target is immigration minister Jerry Byrne and we're talking about uh, some of the challenges and some of the successes in terms of attracting newcomers and more people to Newfoundland and Labrador and one would think it's a relatively simple formula to attracting people but it's one we've struggled with for a long time I've been covering the news for a long time and I know some of the many many uh, programs that have been put in place to try to attract more people you know things like affordable housing a good job not just a good job but a good job with good prospects uh, child care options access to health care so how much of what you do is in concert with with other departments it's everything to do with everything and you're absolutely right linda um you know being able to be successful at this uh, requires understanding and action on all of the things all of the factors that affect people's newcomers ability to um, to stay here but also newcomers uh, desirability to come here and so we work very very closely with other departments uh, but in particular, we look, we work very closely with the Association for New Canadians, a not-for-profit organization, which has been designated uh, by the federal government as their resettlement service agency. Right across the entire country, the federal government contracts, has relationships with uh, various organizations that, uh, that provide these resettlement services in particular for refugees. For those that come from war-torn countries, those suffering persecution, uh, those that uh, are put in danger by their own governments 
uh, or by factors outside of their control within their home territories. That's There are many, many refugees that come to Canada, including Newfoundland and Labrador, but the Association for New Canadians also works with all newcomers to be able to, uh, to assist in those resettlement options. But of course, you know, working directly with health and community services, for example, one of the factors that we recognize that we, you know, that just was not in place before, uh, access to MCP coverage. Uh, very, very important when it comes to the newcomer. We were able to work with health community services to identify the problem and to find a solution and to act on the solution. With Newfoundland and Labrador housing, we, uh, we work to make sure that there's housing stock available. But I can also report to you, though, when it comes to many of these things, um, our newcomers, and in particular our refugees, they're not occupying Newfoundland and Labrador housing stock. In fact, all of the Afghan refugees uh, are not, in, none of them are in Newfoundland and Labrador housing right now. They're all in private, uh, in, in uh, accommodations, private apartments and homes that, uh, that they've been able to rent. And so that's, it's really kind of important because I think one of the things we could talk about is the perceived competition or conflict between those, that, uh, those here that are looking for government services or services in general and what kind of competitions do immigrants or newcomers provide to that. You know, Linda, it's really, really important, I think, to emphasize that our economy will uh, fail if, there, we do not, if we do not fix our demographic challenge and get more skills, more people to fill more jobs that are unfilled in our province, our tax base is going to plummet. It is only a question of time. By 2028, five, you know, six short years away, the total number of people over the age of 55 in our province will be half. Half of everyone in our province will be over the age of 55. And so that really does not bode well uh, for, you know, those who are left to, to pay taxes, to, to provide services and so on. It's one of the reasons why immigration, attracting newcomers is so important. But we also have to remember, and this is true, it's never been proven wrong, newcomers create jobs. Uh, by their presence, by the jobs that they create, by the businesses that they create, by the jobs that they fill, by the skills that they they, uh, contribute, they create economic wealth and increase the standard of living of each and every one of us by coming here. And so it's it's really, really, you know, we work with other government departments. We work with uh, the Association for New Canadians. We work with a number of different agencies to make this work, to make this as as seamless as possible and to uh, not only to attract but to retain our newcomers and we're seeing some great success in this at no cost to anyone here in our province only gain to everyone in our province you referenced um, uh, the Afghan uh, refugees that we accepted a little bit earlier in the year, and you mentioned they were all living in uh, private apartments and the like, which is great to hear, and they're settling in. And, of course, when you talk about immigration, it, you know, it's in this steady kind of 
continual continuum, if you will, you know, in most cases. But in our case, in some uh, situations, like with uh, the Afghan refugees and the and the plane loads of Ukrainians that we've been uh, accepting recently, it's it's in one batch. It's like boom, here we go. Here's here's a group, and oh, here's a group. So did, does that cause a little bit extra, I guess, stress and strain? Because we've been hearing some things about demand in in private apartments lately, and and some of the crunch that's in that uh, market right now. Well, there's been a lot of demand and some strain within the Northeast Avalon. I'll just reference, you know, in the Ukrainian situation, for example, um, a significant number of the Ukrainians have gone uh, outside of the Northeast Avalon. In fact, uh, we've got uh, we've got Ukrainians that uh, accepted jobs and accepted uh, places to stay, you know, that have chosen communities everywhere from St. Anthony, Stevenville, Bay Roberts, Dildo, Bay Vert, Lab West, uh, Musgrave Town. They're they're everywhere in our province. Um, and so that sometimes, you know, we recognize and we have to say what is true. And it is true that housing in, um, in, in the Northeast Avalon in particular is pretty tight. But, you know, in some respects, and this is not to downplay it at all, but if there's one place in all of Canada where it's a little bit easier to get uh, accommodations, housing, it's Newfoundland and Labrador. Toronto and Vancouver and Winnipeg and uh, Regina and Montreal, the housing market is so, so tight that we've, uh, there are reports of Ukrainians that have come, gone there to those cities that are sleeping, that are basically homeless right now. So we thank God and we, uh, we thank all the people who came together to, to help in this cause. Uh, we don't have that situation, but we're always mindful that we have to keep a pace that is sensible, that's responsible, that you know creates a reasonable chance of a successful resettlement, and that's so we have we have, we do have kind of plane loads that come in every once in a while, but with the both with refugees and Ukrainians as well, they're not just coming in by the charters. We've had about 375 Ukrainians that have come in by charters. 377, I think, is the exact number, but there are over 486 Ukrainians living in our province right now, today. Uh, some have come in by, the, by their own by their own uh, steam. They uh, they took commercial flights over. Some were able to take advantage of the Aeroplan uh, special flights offers. Some were able to to go. There was actually 30 that came in that came in on a federal charter that landed in Halifax. They took a, they took a WestJet flight from Halifax to go to St. John's because they wanted to, and 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 then settled. Some of many of them settled in other parts all over the province. So it's really a remarkable story. And you know, one of the things about you, you you know, with with newcomers, with people who decide to travel to move away, these are pretty gutsy people. You know, imagine if you and I were in a situation where we had to leave our where we live, had to leave Newfoundland and Labrador, and took a decision to go 3,000 miles away to a place we hadn't really heard of much about before, but we met some really, really great people who, you know, gave us some straight, honest information about what it is to live there, what it is to like to, to, to be here, and we took a decision to just uproot everything and move to a place called Newfoundland and Labrador. These are gutsy people. These are pre people that are just ready to do whatever it takes 
to make a go of it. To, so people to who have made a clear choice. Absolutely. They've made a clear choice. This is what they want. And when you land in Halifax, but decide that, nope, it's Newfoundland and Labrador that I want to go to because I think there's a strong Ukrainian community that's building there. I've heard so much about it. There's, you know, the, the Ukrainians that I've spoken to that have already come there have told me great things about the place, how, how well they're welcomed. It's really quite remarkable. And um, that's, that's, that's hats off to everyone in our province. That's you and I and everybody created that. That's what Newfoundland and Labrador is. And I think we could be very, very proud of that. We've, we've made that success. Each and every one of us happened. My guest today on On Target is uh, Immigration Minister Jerry Byrne. We'll be back right after this. Got plans for midnight? Bring your VOCM along with the best soundtrack for every night, anywhere. The VOCM All Night Show, midnight on your VOCM. Our guest today is Immigration Minister Jerry Byrne. We're getting a little update on uh, all the exciting things that have been happening with immigration in the last, well, year, really. It's been a really busy year. Um, and I guess top of mind for a lot of people right now because it's the most recent thing that's been happening. But uh, you mentioned them before. How are the Ukrainians settling in? Well, there's really, it's remarkable. You know, when you think of, they just came from, they had to leave uh, their own home uh, country because of a, a horrible war imposed on them by Russia and by Putin. Um, they had to leave and go to Poland. They had to stay in Poland for a period of time. And then while in Poland or, and, and throughout Eastern Europe, but mostly in the Poland, in the Warsaw area of Poland, where many of the Ukrainians uh, came to after they uh, once when they had to leave, we, they've they took a choice to come to Newfoundland and Labrador. You know, Linda, they came with very little, but they came with great ambition, incredible drive. I've never seen a more industrious group of people in all my life. It's probably the only people that would marvel them or you know be equal to them would be Newfoundlanders and Labradorians. They came with them millions of dollars worth of education and skills and over 50 percent they've only been here for just a little over a month the first plane load uh you know it's been just a short period of time over half of them have full-time year-round jobs that they've accept were offered and accepted many of them actually had those job offers made to them while they were still in poland this was the function of the Ukrainian Family Support Desk that I created uh, to to get over to the, to to have a presence in not only in the province. It kind of went from we established the Ukrainian Family Support Desk here in St. John's to work with Newfoundlanders and Labradorians who wanted to assist Ukrainians, but also to assist Ukrainian family members living in our province to get family members into our province from from Ukraine and from Poland. Well, that idea then expanded to say, well, you know, it was such a success, it was so seen to be so valuable. We said, well, what do we do, kind of do? Set up something in Warsaw so that we could have a, 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 a name and a face, a group of people that could respond to the questions of Ukrainians directly, establish a relationship with them, tell them what options might be available to them, and so we're the only province in all of Canada to do that. 
And that's one of the reasons why we've been more successful than any other province in Canada to attracting Ukrainians. It's because we've established relationships with them. And like I say, not only did many of them come to Newfoundland and Labrador with a job in place already, the moment they arrived, they could start work the next morning. They had a housing arranged for themselves already with the assistance of their employer and with their community connections. And um, so, yeah, it's been it's been absolutely fantastic. We've got kids now uh, in school in daycare. Uh, you know, the, 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 they'll be starting school in uh, in September one. They've enrolled, and everything's going extremely well there. And these are people all over the entire province. So I've got to tell you, like I said this before, and I'll say it again. These Ukrainians are some of the most ambitious, industrious, uh, motivated people I've ever met in my entire life. They are, they're just gung-ho and want to get to work. How about the Afghan families that we recently welcomed? And I can still see you jumping in that jumpy cat, in that (laughs) 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 jumpy castle (laughs) Um, not too long ago when they had the big party for all the youngsters and that and how excited the kids were and how nice it was to see all those smiles on their faces. Because arguably, I suppose, the uh, Afghan families who did manage to escape had the means to do so. So how are they settling in? They're doing really, really well. There were 230 Afghan refugees that arrived to Newfoundland and Labrador from August to December uh, of of last year. 93% uh, are still here. I've chosen to stay in Newfoundland and Labrador. Uh, Many of them are in school. 85 school-aged children arrived. They're all enrolled in school. We put in place 30, over 30 teaching units, additional teaching units to assist in that. We put in place just just about 25 teaching units for um, uh, English as a second language and other special education needs. So, as I say, with the Afghans, all have been uh, secured housing. The city of St. John's stepped up. Uh, two of the Afghan families are in subsidized housing or housing supplied by the city of St. John's, but uh, but none, none required any Newfoundland and Labrador housing apartments. None. Uh, that's, I mean, it's, it's really quite remarkable, really, because when you consider that they were without homes when they arrived, they, um, they're, they're settled away. And so, like I say, 93, we often have a feeling that, you know, it's only a temporary, this is just a stepping stone, that they'll be gone, you know, as, as soon as they uh, arrive or get settled away, get, get their feet uh, climatized, they'll be gone. 93%. Have ch- of the Afghan refugees that arrived here have chosen to stay and continue. You know, Linda, we have an amazing community that's growing in our province, the Muslim community. We have there are over seven hundred seven thousand five hundred Muslims now in our province, and there it's an amazing community that's contributing so much. We've always had a strong presence uh, with medical professionals. Uh, from the Muslim community that have been cornerstones to our healthcare system in our province. Well, that that community is growing, and I want to see it grow more and more each and every day because the contribution that they make is so incredible. Oh, for certain. And uh, if you know anybody within the Muslim community, how uh, family focused they are all the time and uh, and and open and willing to help and charity is is a big part of their lifestyle. So it's uh, it's really remarkable. 
Yep, no, it really is. And, uh, you know, I've gotten to know uh, many, many Muslim leaders in, in our province. And through that connection, I've gotten to know many, many more Muslim families in our province. And I got to say what I cannot, I just can only repeat exactly what you just said. I've never, you know, it's such a family orientated uh, society, group of people, culture that uh, they fit in exceptionally well here in the province. So it's the more we can do, the more we will prosper and we can do more. And I I really want to point out something. This is really a kind of an interesting fact. Did you know that Newfoundland and Labrador took in more uh, Syrian and Afghan refugees, uh, mainly uh, people of color, racialized people? We took in, as a province, more refugees last year than the province of New Brunswick and PEI combined. And I say that because New Brunswick, of course, has a population of 1.2 million. Uh, PEI has a population of 150,000, thereabouts. So a population, a, a province with just you know over 500,000, uh, 500, 520,000 people, we took in more refugees than a population, just about uh, two provinces with a combined population of 1.5 million. And I say that with, this, with an air of pride, because we punch above our weight, to use that expression. We, uh, we really, um, we, we're serious about this, and we know that we have a duty of citizenship to offer refuge to those in need, and we prosper when ourselves when we do it, and I'm really, really proud of the fact that uh, I can say, based on statistics that I've learned from the government of Canada, that Newfoundland and Labrador is a national leader, not only in Ukrainian resettlement, but in refugees from the, in the broad spectrum, not only from Af- Afghanistan and Syria, but Eritrea. We've taken in more refugees uh, from from uh, various parts of the world than uh, on a per capita basis than I think than just about anywhere else. And it really, really, it's, uh, it's credit to us all. And you know, Linda, one other thing, when I say that we, our population grew by 3,200 over the last five quarters since January 1st of 2021, that does not include, that number does not include any of the Ukrainians that arrived here, because that the that number, the four almost 500 Ukrainians that are living in our province now, they arrived after that Stats Canada, Statistics Canada uh, census period or or calculation period. So our population, I think, is is really on on track to grow even further. You mentioned the Syrian families, of course. They've been here a little bit longer. How are they doing? How are they settling in? Because uh, uh, a lot of the the big influx of Syrian families was before COVID. And oh my goodness, what a time to be trying to get on your feet. Uh, But uh, how are they doing? Well, since 2015, there's been 600 Syrian uh, Syrian uh, refugees that have been that have been come to Newfoundland and Labrador from by the government. 606 Syrian refugees, but there's also been this is a remarkable figure. So this is 606 government-assisted refugees directed by the government of Canada to come to Newfoundland and Labrador, but there were also 223. Uh, community-sponsored refugees for a total of 829 
uh, Syrian refugees that came in. When, and the difference, you know, the government of Canada, of course, uh, has what's known as the Government Assisted Refugee Program. But there's also what's known as the Privately Sponsored Refugee Program, which I prefer to call the Community Sponsored, because I don't think the word in the title Privately Sponsored Refugees does a credit, because many faith groups uh, churches and faith community uh, service organizations also are eligible to sponsor refugees. So we've had uh, 223 privately or com- community-sponsored Syrian refugees, and the data that we've collected to date is that 86% of the Syrian refugees are still in our province, and the majority uh, of the arrivals are uh, children and young people. Uh, you know, basically uh, 45% of the Syrian arrivals are under the age of 18. And so that's really, <laughs> that bodes well for our uh, assisting with our demographics. So the Syrian refugees, of course, have, have really contributed a huge amount. Many are working in our province already. Some are looking at uh, increasing their job skills, and um, it's been a great success. My guest today on On Target is Immigration Minister Jerry Byrne. We'll be back right after this. Take a break. Join us weekdays from 1230 to 1 p.m. as we discuss anything and everything that's happening now. It's all on the table during your VOCM lunch break. Our guest today is Immigration Minister Jerry Byrne. And uh, Jerry, uh, you've been telling us a little bit about how the Ukrainians and the Syrians and the Afghan families have all been settling in. And it's really uh, amazing to see just how many are choosing to stay. Um, And there's very little argument uh, when it comes to welcoming people, especially those who are fleeing countries where they don't feel safe. But are we targeting our immigration efforts as well? I'm thinking in terms of uh, we know too well about the difficulties in recruiting healthcare professionals, for instance, and some of the measures in place to try to attract doctors, nurses and specialists to Newfoundland and Labrador. What are efforts like on that side of things? This is a really, really important uh, topic because we um, there are many professions, Linda, in not only in Newfoundland and Labrador, but this is the way it works right across the entire country in every province. There are many professions that are self-governing as to who can practice within that profession. This includes not only doctors, nurses, engineers, geoscientists, massage therapists, um, uh, veterinarians, you know, there are 47, I think is the number. There are 47 different professions which are not, uh, that government doesn't make the rules as to uh, whether or not somebody could be granted a license who was educated and who practiced their profession in overseas or in a foreign country. Uh, that is done by w- what are called the regulatory or reg- colleges, the regulatory colleges and the registrars of those professions. And we're working very, very closely to look at how can we open up some of that uh, process, how can we expedite the process. But what we will never, ever do is encourage a system whereby people will be you know, given a license if it's not safe, if their education and their experience, their ability to practice under the standards, the codes of the, uh, that we have, the expectations that we have here in our province and across the country, we will only do that as, as when it is known and shown to be safe and responsible to do that. But while we say that, 
we recognize and we have to recognize that sometimes because of conventional wisdom and the way we've been doing things for so long, that sometimes a look with fresh eyes, a brand new kind of way of looking at an old problem can produce good results. Sometimes there are unnecessary barriers Sometimes there are expenses that are thrown in the way that are unnecessary or could be reduced to getting people who are accredited, who are professionals, who've been working in a particular field for for a period of time and have received a stellar education in a particular profession. Can we get them to work faster in Newfoundland and Labrador? And the answer is, I believe, and in many of those professions that I've already talked to, spoken to, the colleges and the registrars, they think so as well. And we're working on that. We've had from in from the Ukraine, we've had doctors and nurses and physiotherapists and druggists, uh, pharmacists that have that have come here, and we're actively trying to get them. Uh, a fast track for licensing and that's that's it's something that government does not control we passed a we've passed laws same as everywhere else in the country we've passed laws allowing these professions these colleges these registrars to self-govern their licensing activities who best to decide what is the caliber of a nurse uh, to practice in Newfoundland and Labrador than nurses or doctors or pharmacists. That's why we do it. But we recognize that there may be ways to improve that process. And I am actively engaged with all of the professions right now trying to get some of that uh, fast track. Always maintaining top quality, safety, 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 high standards, but just removing those unnecessary, unhelpful barriers that do exist in each and every one of those systems. Uh, what about the whole issue of automobile insurance? Because I know that was one that you had been working very hard on, and it's one thing to say, welcome to Canada, welcome to Newfoundland and Labrador, and by the way, this is how much it's going to cost you to hit the roads. Um, well, yeah. So what what's going on with that? It's sometimes the little things that matter that are really big things. So driver's licenses, for example, we uh, the many refugees uh, have trouble transferring their driver's licenses. Uh, into to Newfoundland and Labrador licenses, you know, with Ukraine in a situation where there was, you know, in a state of war, we recognize that um, it was very difficult to get the necessary paperwork transferred. So, working with Sarah Minister Sarah Sudley, my colleague at uh, Service NL, uh, we were able to get regulations in place that just simply recognize Ukrainian driver's licenses. This, this, sometimes you just got to do what you got to do, and so. So uh, we recognize that. And one of the elements then, of course, it's one thing to be able to have a license. We solve that problem. We just, instead of concentrating on the problem, let's concentrate on the solution. Let's get the driver's license. Well, with the, with the insurance, uh, that's, that's really in the hands. We've, we worked with the PUB, the Public Utilities Board which monitors this. We were told in no uncertain terms that there's nothing causing uh, high insurance rates for you, the for refugees. The insurance companies could adjust this. They'd only have to just simply, in many cases, just file a simple statement or request for uh, an amendment to their to their uh, fee schedules, and the PUB would change that basically in 24 hours, sort of facilitate that in 24 hours, very very fast. But we are asking the insurance industry of our province and across the Canada of across the entire country please do not profit from a problem help us 
find solutions for people in dire need of solutions. So I've reached out to the Insurance Bureau of Canada. I've reached out to many in the insurance industry. Some have responded very well and some have not. And we'll be talking about this more because at some point in time, the insurance industry, which is a major, major employer, very important financial institution in each and every one of our lives and in the lives of, of, our, of, uh, of our province, we need insurance, the insurance companies to start being more active in attracting and employing newcomers, which they're not. Uh, some good examples, some some rare examples of some, you know, that mold being not consistent, you know, that there are insurance, some insurance companies that are hiring newcomers. Most are not. And that needs to change. And the insurance industry needs to be very, very supportive and helpful to those refugees who are fleeing from persecution and war and not profiting from that. And I will make that plea one more time, which I just did on Target. And uh, Jerry, just over a minute left, uh, people moving to Newfoundland from other parts of the country. We're seeing expats mostly returning home or people are new to Newfoundland. What does that look like? Combination of both. You know, it's difficult. This is something that's, there's no, um, there's no metric. Uh, anyone in Canada can move to Newfoundland and Labrador. There's, there's no gateway. There's no data collecting, collection point. So we work with the real estate, age, you know, the real estate board to sort of get these numbers in place. We work with Stats Canada to see what work they can do. But we're seeing it as a combination. It's not only expat Newfoundlanders and Labradorians, but it's, it's people who are just fed up and sick and tired of of a 450-foot condo in downtown Toronto costing $3,000, $4,000 a month uh, who would like to get a much bigger place on the ocean, on the water, in a place called Newfoundland and Labrador at a quarter at a fraction of the price. So it's, uh, it's really, that's been a remarkable uh, and positive. And, and Linda, remote working is the workplace of the future. It is here to stay. It's one of the things of COVID. Not much about COVID was any good. But it's one of the things that the workplace has, the workforce of the workplace has changed. Remote working is now here to stay, and we're benefiting from it. Amen to that. Uh, Jerry Byrne, thanks for your time this afternoon. A very interesting conversation. Thanks. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks to get the word out. Alrighty, and we'll be back tomorrow. We're going to be talking about safety on the water. Stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening, everyone.